Yeah, today is Tuesday, the 24th of September 2019. I've got uh, the lovely Joe Hassan, vitality expert, on the podcast today. Welcome along, Joe. Thank you for inviting me, Tim. Lovely to be no, here. Thank you very much for coming and uh, and uh, participating. I, you see, always seem to have a smile on your face whenever I see you, Joe. So, <laughs> um, this should make for a, a good conversation this morning, I think. Uh, so yeah, I guess where we usually start the podcast, Joe, is we sort of go through, I guess, the early years. So telling us, uh, you know, where you were born, what, what was sort of early life like for Joe. Um, so tell, I guess you can tell the listeners where, where you were born and where, where was early life? Early life was actually in the classic English village. Um, I didn't appreciate that at the time, of course. I grew up in a little village called Fulmer in Buckinghamshire in the UK. So just 20 miles from the city of London, but uh, the classic English village in that we had one church, one pub, one little school, a village hall, a cricket ground. Um, My parents had a little... Uh, tributary to the River Alderborn living running along the side of the house and actually the a very small river running along the end of the um, the garden look through the the trees to see sheep and yet so close to the middle of London that um, during my childhood they actually built the M25 which circumnavigates um, London mm-hmm. but they created what they called a green belt to stop London spreading. So it's essentially the classic okay. English village, but in it's very close to London, mm. in that green belt around London. Okay. So that's sort of where you grew up. And what was your family life like? Was it a big family, small family? Oh, I just have a sister. I'm the eldest. I have a okay. sister who's Paula, who's two and a half years younger than me. Um, my my father had a business. He had a motorcycle dealership that he inherited from his father. Um, Dad is very has been he- heavily involved in motorcycle sport my whole life. So we used to go to motorcycle events. So I was um, at trials and motocross events. We used to go to Speedway at Wembley, the British Grand Prix because Dad was the chief technical officer. All sorts of things to do, to do with motorbikes. Cool. That, that's something I didn't quite know about you, I don't think, anyway. But excellent. Now, I guess um, this, your, your book, uh, that we've got a copy here, and people probably see it in the pictures, hopefully online, uh, Full Circle. So how long ago did you actually do that book? When did it first come out? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yes. So, And I guess why I sort of draw that attention to the book uh, at the moment is I've had a quick read of the, some of the chapters of the book, and... What you sort of described there was a sort of start of chapter two, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we started at the beginning. I was yeah. the, girl, the girl from the village, and I guess yeah. the book, um, I deliberately described some of that in the book because yeah. it was to then contrast with with everything with, else, with yeah. everything else yeah. that, that, that made my life, you know, yeah. a little bit of an adventure and then, and yeah. then unexpected. Yeah. And so that, that, that was deliberately um, So described. I guess as a young... A young lady, uh, what sort of, um, I guess, uh, hobbies did you have as you know, growing up and how, how long did you sort of live in that area? Oh, my, my whole life. My parents are still yeah. living in the home that I wow, grew up okay. in. So that's pretty special. It is. It's very special. So, um, oh, hobbies. I did um, ballet, tap and modern. I used to go to elocution lessons. Um, I loved ABBA. Like Abba and Queen and Elton John were 
were kind of classics in the yeah. in the, of the seventies. Um, child growing into teenagerhood. Yeah, actually, I went to the Abbey Museum a couple of years ago in Stockholm. Have you been there? Uh, oh, that's actually on my list. When they when they were creating the Abbey Museum, mm. they had a travelling exhibition called Abbey World. Okay. And I actually, my photo was in Abbey World in Melbourne. Oh, really? Cool. Because they they ask for submissions of Abbey memorabilia, and I had an Abbey party for my fortieth birthday, mm-hmm. and I even had a card from Benny. wishing me happy birthday which is pretty special so I have Benny's autograph and so there's a picture of myself and my sister in in dress up um, holding the framed Mm. uh, card from Benny was in Abba World in Melbourne Mm. which was the travelling exhibition before they created Abba World Abba the museum in Stockholm Mm. Wow so I guess can you remember what your uh, first job was what what, what did you do was the first time you sort of oh yeah Collecting eggs from the local farm. Okay. So I, in, in, in describing the village, I didn't say that we had a farm as well, right in the heart of the village opposite, the, opposite the shop. Oh, gosh, I don't know size-wise. Um, they had, they had pigsties and, and, and battery hens and sheep. I don't think there was any... Um, I don't think they were growing anything. I think it was all... Um, um, yeah, pigs, pigs, hens, and sheep. My first job was to collect eggs. So nowadays, you know, people frown on the old battery hen idea, mm. but in the 1970s, that was that was the way it was. And mm. so I would go in these um, huge hen houses with mm. and and collect the eggs and put them on the big um, dozen trays and yeah. hope that hope that you didn't I drop think, drop I mean, a tray of eggs because that was a big be... mess. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of sense of, uh, you know, a, 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 if you're sort of living in that sort of environment, it's, it's got to give you some sort of, um, I guess, happiness, you know, a way of just naturally being more excited about things if you're seeing that, you know, the farm animals and you yeah, sort of get that. Yeah, and we used to just ride our bikes. Yeah. So we had um, a, a woods at the end of the garden and we would go out all day on our bikes and that was not... That was not that was no big deal. We didn't have mobile phones and all those sort of things. We would just go and ride our ride our bikes. So I used to ride to ride to the guide hut to, to brownies and to guides. We used to just go and hang out in the woods. Mm. Create stories. Yeah, definitely. So um and it, what is I guess moving on from that, I mean obviously what what other, what what do you think uh, I guess was one of some of your early jobs that um I guess sort of pushed you into the sort of career direction that you, you are at the moment, obviously being, you know, a, a vitality expert. You've obviously had a successful career coaching, lots of uh, different uh, small businesses as well as individuals. Tell us about how you sort of started going to that direction. Um, well, so after the egg farm, yeah. my, my first real, that was when I was a child. Yes, yeah. Um, as a teenager, I used to work in an off-license in Delhi, so in the UK, um, so basically a bottle, shop, a bottle shop that sold hundreds of cheeses, mm. and so that was, a, that was a really terrific experience. I, I was trusted to run that business, um, I think once for two weeks, which I think was a fairly big deal for a, for a 19, 20-year-old to be, <laughs> to be left in charge of, 
of of this business while Leona went on holiday. So I was I was mature and trusted from a from a very early age. Um, because of the area where we were, we had some quite high profile uh, customers. So I learnt very early on to you know, res- respect people from all walks of life, even if you knew who they were because you saw them on the telly last night. Um, they were just normal people going about their 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 day-to-day business. Um, and then from that, so then I went, I went to uni, I studied in Bristol, and then I was looking for the big, big adventure. And I just decided one day that I wanted to backpack around Australia. So, so I, I did that. I arrived here in 1987, 3rd of September 1987, with a backpack and just started travelling. I did, I did already have a job when I, when I got here. Um, I had a job arranged for three months working at, in Weeper for Camalco. So I, that's a little, little bit odd. But I had a plan. So yeah. travelling and then end up in Weeper and then travelling yeah. after. So backpacking, I mean, you always hear some backpacking, uh, you know, really good stories and positive things that people have got out of it. And a lot of people are sort of, you know, there are you know, people that do that and enjoy that and that sort of thing. But I, I guess, is it, I guess the people you meet and the scenery, what is it that really... I guess that's the main thing that sort of comes to mind. Is there anything else? Oh well, that that's that's they're they're pretty yeah. big. The yeah. the the people you meet. I think traveling by myself actually, I think meant that I met and spoke with more people than I might have if I'd had a traveling buddy. So I was that's, I was yeah. overwhelmed along the way by the generosity of the people that I met. They would see this this pommy backpacker. Mm. sitting by herself in a cafe or whatever and they would just um just start chatting and then the mm. next thing I'm staying with them for three weeks in Sydney or oh oh you are oh, you going to Cairns oh well you must stay with my daughter oh you must stay with my friends when you go yeah. through Ingham yeah. I even had a couple of houses I stayed in where I didn't even meet the people they li- literally on the basis of a, <laughs> of a of a of a recommendation and trust um, so in Mackay, I stayed in a house where someone left the front door key you know, under the pot plant yep. to the left of the front door. And I thought that was pretty amazing and special. So I, I now live by this rule that I call the, the Traveller's Bank of Love, where the, the people who make withdrawals and deposits are not necessarily the same people. Yeah. So I have um, hosted, on quite a number of occasions, I've hosted friends, children, parents of of my friends simply because I think that I, you know, I I need to pay back some of the the generosity to a traveller that I received back in 1988-89. That's really good. That's that's great and good learning experiences, you know, to, to be able to, to, you know, go out of, I think you, whether you, I don't think you, knowing you, like I, I can sort of see, but um, I don't know if you really... It's, it's naturally you, isn't it, going out there and backpacking it? It's not like something that... I mean, there's maybe been daunting to start off with, but I think you you sort of, uh, sh- you know, shown that it's just become... Well, I like to do different things yeah, and, f- and yeah, have fun. Yeah. You know, life is for living. Yes. Too many people don't live while they're alive, and then they're not alive anymore. But, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, I like to... to to grab experiences with both hands and, mm. and smile and sometimes things go wrong and then they become lessons. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's nothing that's not either 
a lesson or no mm. enjoyment. So you know you've you've obviously um, you've been to a, a couple of our recent uh, networking breakfasts with uh, bots. So I think uh, at, you know the group certainly you know, l- you know loves your enthusiasm. You know the smile that you sort of bring, and you know this this storytelling that you sort of have done, and and the things that you sort of teach from what you've learnt uh, with the presentation and uh, and coming up with your own, in my opinion, very original sort of uh, ways of you know making a difference, I guess, in different businesses and that sort of thing, and having like you know obviously. So tell me about the systems behind, I guess, what you do. How do they sort of get developed? Is it do you sort of do a lot sort of research, or how do you sort of formulate what uh, what you sort of um, bring to your clients? So, so what I bring to my clients now, um, as a, the simplest of system, is get the business out of your head. Yeah. Write the systems, delegate the tasks, book a holiday. <laughs> okay. So systems if you don't if, if you do everything yourself in a business then you really have a job not a business yes, yep. systems can be everything from um, a, a 10 bullet points in a list and you print it out and you stick it in one of those folders with the plastic sleeves so you can flick through the directory and find find what you want or they might be um, a, a complex system where you've bought a program and you've got the whole thing catalogued um, it might be a video it might be a voice recording it might be a series of photographs the systems will depend on the, the nature of the business mm-hmm. but the point is thinking about the regularity of when you do something and documenting that so there are some things you do every day some things you do several times a day there are other things you do every week every fortnight every month every quarter every six months, every year, and, and literally ma- making lists of those things that you do regularly. So that's the what, and then once you've got the list of all the what's, well then you can go through them and document the hows, mm. how, to, how, to do, how to answer the phone, how to make an appointment, how to do the baths, how to order products. Yeah, okay. So I guess... Um one of the things you sort of uh, bring, I guess, was this this really good method where you've sort of, uh, you've called it the PEP. So I guess explain to the listeners, what does PEP stand for? So PEP, PEP is a model that I've come up with uh, that means purpose, energy, pleasure and profit. Now, you can, you can put those words in any order that you like, really, and the order may change in time. But essentially... Most people um, who are business owners think that it's only about the profit. But if you, I think if you only think about the profit, and of course the profit is really important, and I'm very mindful that I'm, that I'm talking to an accountant here, <laughs> but, but, but I think that the profit won't flow um, freely unless you've actually really thought about why you're doing what you're doing. And then you look after yourself, and, and, and looking after yourself means having some fun along the way. So if you only work, then ultimately you will burn out, or there will be something will happen to mean that you have to stop. So I and I've had that situation happen to my to me. So I think well, we none of us know how long we've got. We might have till we're eighty or ninety, but some people 
you know, healthy one day and gone the next, even yeah. though they're only 37. Yeah. So, so let's have some enjoyment along the way. And, and more than that, let's plan for that every day. Mm. It, it doesn't have to be a big extravagant thing. It could be just waking up early and seeing the sunrise or taking a picnic and watching the sunset. Yeah, fair enough. Have, having lunch with your, with your children. Mm. <laughs> I did want to mention very recently it was Are You OK Day? Yes. And, uh, and you are an ambassador uh, for Are You OK Day? Yes. Um, tell us a bit about your association with Are You OK Day? It's, to me, I think it's a very important um, that we acknowledge that people are okay every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's becoming more, it's becoming, in my opinion, probably more of a, uh, an issue that you know public are more aware of than they used to be. We've, mm-hmm. we've discussed this a bit, you know, from time to time with people. But um, tell us about how you sort of became involved in it and and that type of thing. So I became involved in Are You Okay Day after I wrote my book. So my book the book came about a couple of years ago because I was originally going to write the pep book. So I was going to write the book about. about PEP and pepping up your life so purpose, energy, pleasure, profit and stories around that and I will write that next but I hired hired um, an author coach and because I've never written a book before and I like to do things properly I didn't want to just randomly start writing so the author in, in the planning session for the first book she said well why PEP? And I said, well, because I, I show up every day, I'm happy and smiling, I'm always wearing pink, and people just assume that, that my life has always been that way. And, and actually, it, it hasn't. I had, I had PTSD um, in 1998, and, and that was a deep, dark secret, because whilst... Um, that was 88 or 98? 98, 98, 98 yeah. 99. So 20, 22 years ago, I had PTSD, and, mm. and that was a secret. Even my parents didn't know. And it, I guess them being on the other side of the world, still back in the village, um, and we didn't make phone calls as regularly back then as we do now, so I was able to put on a brave face for speaking with them. But meanwhile, life was very dark. So I wrote the book about... Um, how and why and my journey through PTSD and then I met um, Graham Cowan who's an executive director of I think I hope I've got his title right Graham Cowan anyways on the board of Are You OK Day and so I was talking to him about my book and he said oh and you speak and oh well we, we need people like you sharing the Are You OK message so I, I went and um, did some some training in in, in, in the how and why of are you okay it's a cause that I absolutely believe in and so now that that's my one of my one of the several things that I do mm. for a sense of community mm. is, is giving back and spreading the are you okay message because mm. because I know what it's like to not be okay and I know that it's you know it's a fine line sometimes between being okay and not and whilst um Australian Bureau of Statistics still officially talks about one in five Australians living with mental illness um, as I go to some Are You OK events and I hear psychologists speak sometimes before or after me and they really are talking about one in four. So it's, that means a quarter of people in Australia are living with mental illness. That means that most people are touched by it in some way. And so um, writing the book was about showing that even someone that shows up like me can have had a mental illness. Yep. 
and that uh, destigmatizing it. So yes, I've had a broken arm in the past. I've had the measles. I've had other things that have happened to me where no one questions your sickness. But when you have a mental illness, you can't actually physically. Um, there's nothing visual. Um, I mean, yes, you might you might be hunched over and, and have be oozing very low energy, but you can also fake your way through through it. Mm. So people don't really know what's going on. No, that's right. So, 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 that, so that's part of the reason why mm. with PEP, um, I've got pleasure, pleasure in there because yep. I think that there's a link between, between uh, planning for pleasure every day and, and, and keeping your, your, mental, your, your mental wellness um, going. Excellent. So I guess one phrase I hear quite a bit, and it's in your book, um, building resilience. Tell me about building resilience. How does that sort of, how does that become, because I've, I've, seen, I've seen that sort of be you know, used as how do people sort of build resilience. Tell me about where this sort of came from for you. I think a belief. So when I was really unwell, and being supported through that, having a belief that, 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 that I could get better and having a reference point where things were better and so then the belief that they can get better in, in, in the future. Um, so I think it's, it's resilience is a, is a sort, sort of, a, it's like a muscle that you need to work, work through and I remember when I when I broke my arm mm-hmm. five years ago. I went to the physio like several times a week. I used to do the physio exercises two or three times a week at home, and the physio would say, and the surgeon would say, "Oh my goodness, you've you've recovered so well from such a debilitating injury. You know, you've obviously been doing your exercises." So I I liken that to the. Um, mental illness mental wellness situation that you've got to work at it Mm. so during my recovery I read a lot of Jungian psychology books I I enjoyed reading about other people's dark stories believe it or not there was some comfort in understanding that I wasn't alone and so I think that 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 there's there's some resilience building in that too in, in knowing that that you're not alone, that other people have got better so you can get better, knowing that you've been better in the past and, and pushing through, yeah, no, okay. knowing that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So, a bit of, <laughs> so belief is one of the key words there that sort of, that you need to sort of reinforce yourself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, I, and I, look, I use this phrase, um, sometimes I put a hashtag if I'm on social media, wear pink and smile anyway. Mm. And so that's a bit of a throwaway line, but it's actually a really serious um, resilience tool Mm. in that the pink has a little asterisk. So for me, pink pink became a lifesaver. I choose to do whatever I can in my life in that vibrant hot pink colour because it makes me happy. So when I say wear pink and smile anyway, what I really mean is find your your pink. Mm. So is your pink blue or brown or green or walking your dog? Find something to, yep. as an anchor, to, to, to sort of wrap your life around mm. so that when, um, when things are not going as smoothly as you would like, you've got, uh, you've got an anchor to, to come back to that yep. you know is going to level you and lift you up. 
Cool, that's really good. So I guess a bit about um, where you've sort of taken your different sort of, I guess, business pursuits over, over mm-hmm. the course of time. Um, I do remember, and I did, I did met, met you probably the first time maybe eight to ten years ago, um, and the name of your coaching business was Red Day Coaching, I think it was. Yes, that was a franchise that I had for ten years. So it was a franchise, okay. Yes. I wasn't sure where the name came from, whether it was a franchise or whether it was something that mm. came from yourself. But no, it was, a fra- it was a franchise that I had for, for two five-year terms, yep. and at the end of the second five-year term, the franchisor um, decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. So, so I needed to, I needed to regroup, and so I needed to create my own, my own, my own, Mm. my own brand, which is what I have done. So, so so Pep is Pep is the um, Pep is what has evolved from there. From from, um, yeah, ten ten years of Red Day coaching, and and one of the things that um, I really liked about Red Day coaching was was there anything behind the colour? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. So red, yellow, and green. And green days was about um, so red days were working on the business, yellow days working in the business, okay. and green days for not thinking about the business. So, in, okay. so that's I guess you could say the sort of a foundation from whence Pep came. Mm. In that time away from the business was important in the red day model, and I've now embraced the time away from the business and linked that with with the whole mental illness mental wellness scenario that we have going on and, and, and my belief through my own personal experience that that the time away from the business is is a really important element in helping to grow the business when I, I have um, over 13 years now of research I have um, data that supports that Uh, 10% of business owners working more than 100 hours a week and 5% more than 120 if you consider thinking about work as work. So if you imagine that the people that worry about work is the first thing they think of when they wake up, they're worrying about it when they before they go to sleep, if they're in a, um, a, a family situation where maybe both parties are working in the same business and there are no boundaries around talking about business over breakfast, over dinner, mm. well then that's all, I just consider all of that work. Mm. So if, if, let's say you're working 40 hours a week, well then it's actually really 60 because I, I typically find that whatever is the number of physical physical work, there's about fifty percent of that number yeah. where you're thinking about it, even though you're not at work. So that's another reason why I'm so passionate about having pleasure every day is because I sometimes meet people who can't remember what they used to enjoy doing before they had the business. Mm. So they have the business to create this bigger life to work around their family and be their own boss and and have holidays when they want and be able to go and do uh, their shift at tuck shop or go to their kids' sports day or whatever, and then they don't do any of that. And they can't even remember that they used to like sailing or riding their bike or whatever. And so, or playing golf, okay, (laughs) play golf too. I play six or seven times a year at the moment. So so it's it's about, okay, well, make a plan. Make a plan to do that thing. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, yeah, what, exactly. what's what's the business about? Yeah. Um, one thing I've sort of lo- I sort of uh, looked up about yourself, and I, f- I find it quite interesting, um, is that uh, you owned a, a business that looked after pets. Yes. And uh, so I'm I'm always a, I do like uh, cats and dogs. So, um, and we have obviously one of each at home. Uh, tell us a bit about 
uh, what you learnt working in that type of business and uh, what your favourite uh, animals, pets actually are and, and that type of thing? Well, it's a, it's a bit of an intriguing scenario because I'm not as much of a pet lover as my business partner was. Okay. So we came together um, and had this, this partnership. She was completely uh, dog and cat mad and I was... I came at it more from a strategic um, direction for the sake of having having a business. And so she would okay. talk about doing this, this and this, and I would say, well, hang on a minute, why? And so I think that sometimes you can be more strategic around your observations in relation to a business when you're not completely loving it and into it. Which is why when I, in my coaching now, when I have a room full of small business owners, we can all make comments and observations about other, other, the other businesses in the room Which is from, very, from, I mean, from, a, from an arm's length. Very educational for anybody to be able yeah. to listen to get some yeah. you know, feedback from people who, hadn't, who don't know too much about what's going on inside. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So look, it was, it was an interesting time in my life. There were, there were lots of lessons. Lots of lessons, and um, but did you draw yeah. much? Uh, I guess with much attraction to animals over that period of time. You said, "Well, gee, I love them. I'm a cat lover now." Like, <laughs> or, um, oh, more look. You know what? More so than I was. So I, yeah, my, okay. my parents didn't have animals when I was growing up. My sister was the animally one in our yeah. in our house. She she they she's had fun and she's. Well, there was the farm yeah. in the village, yeah. so that wasn't our farm. That's where, okay. that's where I worked. Just, so, yeah, okay. so my sister would, would, would work in the animal house at school and she'd bring Boris the rabbit home to look after for the school holidays. That was the, that was the, and we had fish, goldfish sometimes, but we didn't ever have a cat or a dog. So I've not, not grown up with that. But okay. yes, over, over the time that I was involved in the pet resort, there were certainly some cuties that I could, I could, I could you know, be... Be turned around and and you know enjoy that and 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 I see I, I could see from a business perspective that there are people that treat their animals sometimes better than their kids oh, and sure. completely dote on them. So that that was all I needed to know was that we served those people well and, and met their needs when they were well, completely the animal was at least as loving. As the kids yes, as yes, yes, yeah is quite interesting yeah but it's 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 quite common as well um so that was obviously an interesting experience for you and it's good that you sort of you put a bit of a perspective of okay let's i'm treating this like a business and that's certainly a healthy approach but sometimes when people get into that type of business it's it, you see a lot of people it's, it's very passionate about loving animals and and it's and whether or not they're the greatest business people in the world, it's it's you've got to have the right sort of balance, obviously, and you've got to be able to, you know, um, be able to sort of acknowledge, you know, the business a- um, aspects and fundamentals of, yeah. of that type of thing. You can't just treat it, um, you know, we see a lot of, uh, you know, you, you see a lot of clients that sort of decide to all of a sudden start a bar and they're an engineer. Uh, but then they and, think, oh, they'll uh, have a bar because they like drinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a place so, to go with their friends. And they wonder why so. they lost 50k, you know, in, in a few months. Yeah. Because they didn't plan for it properly. They didn't realise that, uh, you know, the money that they're going to bring in the door isn't as much as they would have hoped. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things to learn in, in when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, also, you've had, you had a fairly long... Uh, 
a bit of an association with the BNCC, but you're on the executive board. Yes, I was on the executive um, for, for nine years. And, and look, and I nine still... Nine years, it was a while, yes. Yeah, nine years. And look, I really, I mean, when, when I decided that I wanted to be an RUAK ambassador... I thought, well, something, something's got to give. I've got to, I've got to be mindful of my own pep, and uh, keep being aware of my own energy levels. And and I just can't, you can't, you can't keep on taking more and more things without, without letting something give. So, so look, I still attend BNCC um, meetings. I'm just not, not there on the executive doing all the behind the scenes no. stuff now. Yeah, no, but also a lot of good experiences there. Great. People on the board. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, Simon's a very good leader. Yep. Um, Penrose, and yeah, so it's it's great to have that sort of uh, you know experiences of dealing with the the, the ch- you know a chamber like that at that sort of level. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, yeah. So, what do you, do you sort of uh, are you sort of much for keeping up to date with technology? Do you sort of try to keep up to date with that in your business, or do you sort of have a fairly your systems? fairly tried and true and tested from years ago as far as you know, so look I'm <laughs> some would say I'm I'm more of a more a people person Tim course, than, yes, a, yes, yes. than a than a than a tech head I actually yeah. worked for an IT company for 14 years yeah um, and I was not the propeller head I, I started um, back in 1989 like my first so I came when I came to Australia as a as a backpacker and I worked for Camalco for five months that was like part of my working holiday then when I I um I, I emigrated I started working for a Brisbane IT company and it was just a casual role to begin with I was I was hired to do photocopying for three days because I had a big photocopying job and some binding that needed doing and so I went for, for basically hired for three days and stayed 14 years and in that time, I was PA to the general manager. I, and, and then from that, the owner of the company, we um, won a contract. Um, it, it was a, a software company um, when customer care systems became popular. So call centres and and recording recording conversations with you know people people online it, we had a solution for that and so we got this contract for a government department in Sydney and the owner of the company said okay so we've won this contract I want it's I want Jo now to be our trainer she's I want her to be the public face of the company mm-hmm. and it was that was like oh my goodness how, how did that happen <laughs> so I'd gone from doing all these other things in this company and all of a sudden the owner of the company wanted to put me on a pedestal and for me to be the public face of the company so on the one hand that was amazing and and I was honored and on the yeah. other I was completely terrified because mm. I had never done that before but mm. really what what that laid was the foundations of course for where I'm at now mm. so I went and did the train the trainer course and and I used to fly around in in 1980 uh, 90 90 from 1995 approximately, I flew around Australia training um, Commonwealth government departments and um, essentially ombudsman's offices, okay. um, New South Wales Bank, a couple of councils in Victoria, Trans Adelaide, so I learned about trams and <laughs> I, I became the public face of the company uh, going mm. around training and so 
that that was essentially where I've got got my love of um, being in a being in a room and facilitating interaction between between people, which is the skill that I hope I'm um, bringing to the table now. Whether I be uh, facilitating a room full of small business owners or or now, as is happening more recently. Um, people from um, the corporate world so they might be um, leaders of, of government departments or they might be a team in a, in a government department so I'm actually flying to Canberra in November to, to facilitate a workshop for a Commonwealth government department okay. which I'm really excited about so I so PEP whilst PEP has evolved from the small business world mm. anybody can embrace PEP and and I'm excited that that's um, Know, where I would like to take it in the future is is pepping up teams and pepping up leaders as well as the, the small business owners which has been my traditional domain mm. no, that's excellent but obviously you, you know you've sort of been around to, to know that you get a good balance with life and, and that type of thing you know obviously you sort of preach being able to live it you know in in a balanced way um, obviously have time for everything make sure you don't obviously don't overwork yourself um, and obviously you're, you're a mother yourself so you know it, it, finding time is, and, and making sure that you're sort of looking you're keeping the kids or back when they were growing up that sort of thing I mean did you how did you find that, those sort of days when you when you're sort of you know doing what you're doing and, and basically in a family environment as, as well does it did you sort of had it all sort of go oh it was it was extremely stressful mm-hmm. and that, and and that's why I when I came across the Red Day coaching model, that was because because my life was in mm. turmoil. Yeah, we had an electrical business, we had the pet resort, I had a um, a, 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 chi- a young child. Yeah, and I was that person that that, that worked seven days a week. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> out of control. <laughs> so when when I came across that 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 model and it resonated. I was able to make the mind shift and actually um, truly believe that having time away from the business is beneficial to the business. Mm. So because I've done that and I've now evolved that into my own my own brand and model, mm. I know that it works. I, my, my greatest um, joy in coaching small businesses is when my clients have big holidays when 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 I met them they couldn't imagine taking the afternoon off for a game of golf so so they I have clients that have transitioned from working in the third bedroom to having an office and having a team of people and then having a month in Europe Or, or one of them Tim another Tim Tim had two months off when his first daughter was born and now he he works three days a week he his dad the other the other days so so this separation from business and but but it making the um the mind shift that it's possible to be different is the first thing yeah and then and then systems are the key to making it happen because obviously you can't you can't you can't not be there and still have the money coming in the door if someone else isn't doing the work to the same standard that you would do it so systems are the key to your freedom okay so tell me about brisbane so brisbane obviously one of the places you love you've you've obviously been here Mm -hmm. quite a while now 
Um, what is it about Brisbane that? What are the traits of Brisbane that really, I guess, flourish for you and, and make it such a great environment for for you to live your life? Well, I look. I came here because so so. I came with a backpack, met a man, came back and got married, um, and and Brisbane was where was where we settled for that reason. But yes. but so it wasn't like. But the funny thing is that I even before I had been to Brisbane, something inside me drew me to Brisbane and I knew I was going to live here. You know, what? one of those woo-woo-woo woo woo moments where I always thought Brisbane would that? be my house. I don't know. I have no idea. But, but anyway, I, I settled here in 88 yeah. when I was at the first day of Expo. I saw the Queen on the so first day the of Expo, Expo the 30th, wow. of, 30th of April 1988. Had, did, had my three-day pass. And then I needed to go back to the UK because my visa ran out. And then I, um, a couple of months later, I basically was here and emigrated. Yeah. So Brisbane's where I've made my Australian home. Um, I've enjoyed seeing the, the, the evolution of Brisbane over that time. It's a bit funny that I'm wearing my Brisbane. Did you see the earrings I'm wearing today, Tim? Yeah, they're nice. The nice uh, shape, but they're some sort of Brisbane connection, is it? Or? They're the Brisbane River. Oh, is it? So, <laughs> right, I've so had the these river. earrings for a little while and I've not actually worn them before. And I've had some others on and then I thought, oh, no, I think I'm going to put my... I think I'm going to wear my river earrings for the first time. So, so... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> to pick that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just funny that you asked me about Brisbane when I've got, when I've got earrings that are like a, a dangling, yeah. dangling well, Brisbane the, the, river. The, the river anyway. does make the city to a degree. Absolutely, um, yeah, it's, I think. It's, and it's, it's obviously become more worldly. Um, it's become a, it's a small town as well. I like the way that we're using um, the, we use the river. Um, when I first know. came here, we lived at Tawong on the river, and we used to mm. we didn't have a car for eighteen months. We used to get the get the ferry yeah. um, into well, the city. Um, like you've always probably been a great networker, and mm-hmm. um, we obviously met probably some some you know some years ago now. Yep. I imagine, but it's, that just gives you an idea what how small Brisbane really is. That uh, you know we. we if you sort of net, get out there and network, it's not you know it's it's pretty close to knowing everybody, aren't you? Really? Well, I was I was so surprised that a month ago or whenever whenever I spoke at Bots, like yeah. I have heard a couple of people talk about Bots over the years, yeah. And then Bev invited me to come and speak, and then I walk in and I basically knew every, I think I knew everyone except for two people, yeah. And and I, and I had no idea that all those people. Um, Attended bots regularly, and so that's it's a good that's little nice. group. It's certainly yeah, it's a good nice. little group, and it's been going for quite some years now. And it's really, a, you know, you, you pay your breakfast, and that's it. Yeah, it's not like you, you know, with BNIs, those types of things. You sort of forced, you, you're forced to put more of your into it um, than than maybe you, you want sometimes. So. Uh, with something like that, you don't necessarily. It's always back here. It's always a, a case of saying, "Okay, let's we'll we'll naturally form, you know, yeah, relationships, I think that's, and we'll that's, naturally that's do nice. business, and we'll naturally we're not sort of in in the midst of sort of make sure that everybody gets a referral from everybody, and it's and and, and we don't have to worry about the monetary side of it. It's mm. you know, it's you know, we we donate some money if we we want to to make make it sure it runs properly. Get a few good guest speakers in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always helpful. We've had, you know, over the six years or so that have been going, we've had some fantastic uh, people come in and have 
been able to bring in about half a dozen or more myself that, that have been really good ones. So and they give you they give you um, participants for your podcast too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you well, that's right. You, if you participants meet... for the podcast, you know, probably... listen to someone and think, oh, they've got a story. I'll interview them. <laughs> two yeah, thirds to three quarters of the people that are there have probably been on my podcast now. Yes, so. I noticed that when I look look so through you look your around list the room. Okay, Steve, yep, he's been on. Frank, yep, he's been on. Yeah. Uh, Bev, yes, she's been on now. And, Karen, yes, yep. So can you just go around the <laughs> around the circle? Marcel, yep. So that's uh, great with, with when it comes to to what that's doing, and just just reinforces you know just an aspect of what Brisbane is all about with how how would we network here as well. Mm. Um, I guess um, what are some of your other favourite travel destinations around the world? Where would you where do you sort of like to go to for a holiday or that type of thing? Is there any or, or is there anywhere you haven't been to that you want to go to? Well, I want to go to, uh, I have been to Stockholm already, but that was in 1979. <clears throat> um, so I would like to, do that. that's on my list to do the whole ABBA, ABBA thing, go to the museum, stay in the hotel, go to the restaurant where they have the Mamma Mia party, and then go to the Greek <laughs> island where they screen Mamma Mia, I think on a Wednesday and a Saturday night in the open air cinema. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so I've got my ABBA, the ABBA tour at some point soon. Um, I would like to. I'd like to walk a walk a Camino across across Spain. I've got that on my yeah, on my did, list. Dennis did that. <clears throat> yeah. Kidding, yeah. Um, places that I've been that I absolutely love. I love Italy. Um, What's, spent what some time. Of, I stayed like in best? stayed in Verena on Lake Como. Okay. So I had a had a week there a few years ago. That was pretty pretty special. Yeah, I did New Year's Eve once at Lake Como. Oh, how fabulous! Mm. Where, which town? Uh, Como. Como, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah lovely. But, I, but I'm, I, I'm pretty keen on Stratty. Yeah, I'm I've well, love, love I'm just trying to think hanging out at, hanging out at North Stratty. First two years coming to Brisbane, I don't think I've been back. I, I probably should have gone back. But yeah. It's one of those things I haven't done. But uh, I know there's lots of places in the world to see that I haven't seen. So. Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. What about, um, have you been to Canada before? I have not been to Canada, no. It's, no. I haven't, but it's on my bucket list still. I've got to, got to get to Canada. I think that'd be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And have you seen much of New Zealand? Well, I, well, I, I noticed the, the photo on your wall here, and I said, oh, did you take that? So I recognised that as Queenstown. I had a yeah. had an adrenaline week in Queenstown a couple of years ago with my son. We did a, a few days of skiing, and then and then it's like, okay, well, when in Queenstown, do the bungee jump. So we yeah. did the bungee jump, we did the jet boats. Um, yeah, it's a, Queenstown's a pretty special place. Yep. Beautiful. Mm, so very, very remarkable. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the remarks there. Yes, yes, I, I know. Um, I guess, tell me some of the biggest influences of your life, whether they're people, um, if there's anyone in, in particular, uh, or groups, or, or something that's sort of influenced you, uh, some of the, I guess, your biggest influences. Um... In recent years, in the last few years, I've I've enjoyed being a part of Professional Speakers Australia, so um, PSA. So I'm um, I attend their had, monthly uh, monthly chapter we've meetings. We've had a couple of speakers, um, professional speakers, on the podcast. Actually, you probably you? know them. Um, Kevin Ryan, who's in the oh, group. I know. Yes, I know Kevin very Kevin, well. Uh, yep. In the group, uh, I haven't seen him for I don't know if I've seen him for a while, but he's he's great value. I love Kevin. Yep. Really good. And Matthew Burgess. I'm not yes, sure. I know Matthew too. So managed to yeah. get him on the podcast last year as well. Okay. So there's a couple that we've had. Uh, yeah, so look, I like the... I like. Because you, you certainly would be a great speaker, and, and obviously I'm sure you've done speaks, you know, 
keynote speaker roles before. Yeah, so that's that's um, that's one of the things that I'm I'm looking to grow is speaking at conferences. So, might be a, a thirty or forty five minute keynote at a conference um, or a, a, a workshop. You know, some lots of conferences have breakout yep. workshops, so facilitating workshops. So yes, I'm very keen to to pep pep people up either from the stage or yep. from from the workshop role. Mm. And and look, people that I've so, met so through, that's a good through PSA, that, uh, and obviously that's certainly been a bit of an influence on where you are at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yes. Um, and any sort of other mentors or other influences that you may have had over the course of time um, that stand out. Well, there's, look, there's a few people that I've met with in PSA. So yeah. Jane, Jane Anderson is a, a, a branding expert. So she's. Um, supported me significantly over the last couple of years. Lindsay Adams is is somebody that's um, helped me in recent times too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Excellent. Um, there we go on there. 48 minutes. <laughs> we get <laughs> so I guess what does the future look like for Joe Hassan? I mean, where do you see things sort of going in the future for you? Uh, is there such a thing as retirement or do you always want to make sure you keep in uh, your mind active. I think I think in this day and age, refinement is is the way to go. So I don't I couldn't just stop. I'm a people person. I want to be out there, you know, doing and seeing and being with and and, and making a difference. So um, I think that I would like I would like to get um, Pep to the point that I could license the license the idea so that other people can take PEP as a model and and facilitate PEP up uh, programs so that's certainly um, something that that will leverage my time mm-hmm. going forward because you know in these early days well it's it's all about me but it absolutely is I, I need to be mindful of my own my own message and get 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 the PEP idea out of my head and systemize and delegate so that so that I can then leverage my time better so that I can speak at conferences or um, and, and travel and, and like, have, have the pet like pleasure good, myself. Uh, certainly sounds like some good ideas and some good plans that mm. I'm sure will come into fruition over the next short time hopefully so mm-hmm. um, any sort of final words I guess for the listeners anything else that you uh, wanted to bring up on the podcast today? Well we're people first. Yeah. So we are people before we are business owners, before we're parents, before we're partners, before we're a member of a the, the bots group or whatever group it is. So we need to look after ourselves. Um, and so to be mindful um, every day of the activities that we're doing and whether they're pepping us up or not. So before you do any activity, is it taking you closer to or further away from your purpose? Is it energising you or a drain on your energy? Is it, do you enjoy it? Is it pleasurable? And is it profitable in some way? And if it's not, we'll then question why you're doing it. Because, because we need to live while we're alive. Some really great advice there for the listeners. Joe. it's been a pleasure to having you on the podcast here today. Um, it's, thank you very much for coming on and uh, stay pink. <laughs> right. 
Find your pink. Find your pink. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Tim. It's been 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 very enjoyable chatting. Yeah, pinkfully. Thank you. <laughs>